Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. When you've got those pains, use Activice, and you'll continue to train. You can find it on Amazon, at Ironman.com, and at Walmart. This podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but also in life. I'll talk to successful people that have jumped over all kinds of hurdles to get to where they are today in sport and in life. And my guest today is Breaking Barriers. Her name is Joanne Murphy from Ireland. She's an MC, a podcaster, a host, an athlete, a woman for Tri Ambassador, founder of Tri Talking Sport, and the first woman to be on the microphone at a finish line at an Ironman World Championships just recently in St. George, Utah. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? I am so excited to be on your show. I am si- excited to have you. And, and uh, I, always, I always love asking how you're doing. But with you, since you live in Galway, Ireland, I always love asking, how's the weather today? <laughs> well, Riley, they must have known that I was coming on the podcast today because it is balmy, blue skies, San Diego weather. It is absolutely beautiful outside. Well, did you get a workout outside today? No, I didn't. No, not today. Tomorrow, maybe, if I'm lucky. Well, if you ever follow Joanne, you can see she's out there swimming in Salt Hill outside of Galway. And she'd always say, oh, my gosh, it was a beautiful swim today. The water temperature was only, I'm going to do the Fahrenheit, the water temperature was only like 53 degrees. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't get in that if you paid me. <laughs> How do you, you, you bear it out with all your friends, don't you? Yeah, we love it. I uh, live about a kilometre and a half from uh, Salt Hill, where the very first Ironman 70.3 took place in Galway in 2011. And um, yeah, I think um, in Utah, the water was 15 degrees in, in Snow Canyon and that was warm. So I think that was, what, 64 Fahrenheit in your money, um, 15 yes. degrees here. So that's pretty warm. Today, I think it was 13.7 degrees Celsius. Um, and the w- weather, it's about 19 degrees today. So that that's warm. That's like a mini heat wave. Oh yeah, that that yeah. don't get outside. You're gonna burn yourself, you know. Look at my rosy cheeks from sitting in the sun today. <laughs> I know, I love it. Well, we did meet at the Galway 70.3 in 2011. Uh, it was the first time we worked together. Uh, it's kind of interesting because you know you always have apprehension when you work with someone for the first time. But here we, yourself and myself from two different, you know, parts of the world. But we had one thing in common, and that was the athletes. And uh, doesn't that seem to gel everyone together when you when you've got that goal and objective to take care of all the athletes? Oh yeah, it was such a day in Galway in, in 2011. I think most people will remember it for the bad weather and that maybe the shortened swim. Um, but definitely, I think they'll remember how we made them feel on the finish line. And, and that was like superheroes. And, and really, that's what we do, Mike, isn't it? We make athletes feel like superheroes when they come down the finish line, um, regardless of the weather, regardless of the race. Um, that's why we're there. Create buzz, atmosphere, get the spectators motivated, get the athletes moving and, and just have fun. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I love what I do so much. 
because and it's you do just it, fun. You, Joanne, you do it so well. And over the years, you know, you, you've cultivated the craft. Uh, let's go back a little bit. You were born and raised in the, in the Cork area. You live in Galway now. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to come to Galway and all of a sudden jump into the announcing game. Tell us about that. Well, I'm not sure we'll have enough time on the podcast, Mike, in, in one episode to tell the full story. And as you know, I can talk. I have the gift of the gab. Manny would say that I kissed the Blarney Stone in Cork too many times as a kid. And that's why well, I, I kissed it. So I've kissed it. I've kissed it twice. So I, I can try to catch up with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, the, the, the long and short of it is I was born in Cork. Um, I have a sister called Michelle and uh, lived in Cork for most of my life. Uh, my dad passed away very suddenly when I was 26 and my sister was 23. He was from Kilkenny and my mum was from Galway. And when he passed away, it was such a, a shockwave through the family. He was heavily involved in, in the Scouts in Ireland, um, as is my sister still. And my mum just wanted to move home and home for her was Galway. So we upped sticks, upped lock, stock and barrel. I was working in Dublin at the time and got a job in Galway and moved to Galway um, in 2004. I'd always been sporty as a kid. I was an Irish dancer, loved playing sport, generally all team sports all the way through university and everything. And then moved to Galway and I started working in, um, in fundraising in Enable Ireland, which is a disability charity here in Ireland as a fundraiser. And that's where my story really begins with my own sporting and presenting and things like that. Um, uh, I set up a tag rugby team, very social, Mike, as you know, I loved having the crack in, in Utah and having the crack is one of the big things with me and having fun. Um, set up a, a tag rugby team in Galway in Enable Ireland and it just kind of spiralled from there. Some of the guys that were playing tag rugby were running marathons, doing 5Ks and 10Ks. One or two of them brought, bought a bike and I was like, oh, maybe I could cycle. Um, and years ago when I was really young and I have a photograph as well of, of cycling outside our house in the country, I had a blue rally racer and I absolutely loved it. And I used to go on long cycling adventures. Now, they were probably only 10 and 20 K with my dad, but he was into cycling um, as well. And um, out on the bike, loving it, having fun. So bought a bike here in Ireland and then ended up doing a sprint triathlon back in 2009. Uh, the Volvo Ocean Race, I think, was here either that year or the following year. I can't remember. And the rest is kind of history. I, I fell in love with triathlon, continued to play tag rugby, gave up tag rugby, ran a couple of marathons. But that first day at the in a relay at the sprint triathlon in, 20, in 2009 was the, probably the catalyst to everything. The, the um, yeah, the so time, the time, it, the time it all started. Well, tell us, how did the microphone find you or did you find the microphone? It's always interesting when people ask me, you know, why'd you all of a sudden put a microphone in your hand and want to do live events? What, what, what do you think the catalyst was for you to do that, Joe? Um, I guess as a kid, I actually did speech and elocution lessons. Uh, back beside our school, we had drama lessons and things like that. And I was always into music and acting and, and stage activities was in school plays and things like that and in the choir. So I never shied away from presenting in front of people. And I actually was one of the ministers of the word, which is something that people wouldn't know about me. In the church years ago, when I was very young, used to say, you know, the prayers at mass and things like that. And um, I guess I never really shied away from speaking in front of a crowd 
And then when you work as a fundraiser, I worked for Enable Ireland and for the Irish Cancer Society, you're always presenting in front of people. So you're always kind of talking in front of crowds. And I never really shied away from it. A funny story was I was working for a travel agency and was presenting about their trips to America on a J1 visa and to South Africa on, on treks and things like this. And one of the events, one of the tour operators couldn't make it to Ireland. And I'd heard his presentation so many times that I said, sure, I'll do it. Nobody will know I was never in South Africa. So I presented <laughs> his I presented his presentation. Nobody knew any different that I had never been there. And I just feel comfortable, I guess, in front of a crowd. And then um, the sporting side kind of kicked in. Then in, in 2011, uh, Galway Triathlon Club were hosting a an aquathon race. I sat on the race committee. And a couple of days beforehand, one of the lads said, uh, we don't have any MC or DJ. Joanne, will you do what you know everyone? I was the beginner's officer of the tri club at the time. So I said, Aria, no problem. And if I don't know anything about somebody, I'll make it up and we'll have a bit of fun. And the rest <laughs> is kind of history. <laughs> so uh, the guys that were bringing Ironman 70.3 Ireland to Galway um, asked me would I MC the Galway race. And at the time I was training to actually race it. But unbeknownst to myself, I had an injury and I had to pull out. So I approached Rory and said, listen, was there an opportunity again to to speak at Ironman and um, that was when I met the magnificent Mike Riley and look where we are now. I know it was, it, it, it was a wonderful time and I love having people come into this profession because it's not an easy profession to come into. Uh, there's just not that many openings, so to speak. And when you find someone who has that knack to be able to speak in front of a crowd, uh, be nervous, but not be nervous about it. And you know what I mean about that. Uh, it, it's kind of a rarity. And and I always love watching other speakers perform and, and do that because I know I'm going to learn something. But Joe, you, you, you announce different events. You'll do endurance events, triathlon. You do running events. You'll do gymnastics events, charity galas. Do you find having that variety with your uh commentating career gives you an edge i think i'm always learning mike that's definitely something that no event is ever the same I, i've worked the ironman circuit now since 2011 and i've worked the same events in the uk year on um year on year but you learn something new every time something always is different every time you do an event i'm sure you see that so every time you're at a start line you meet different people you learn something new um and I think as well, it probably broadens my ability because at every event, whether it's gymnastics or whether it's running or an Ironman, um, whether it's a charity lunch or a, or a conference, I'm hosting a conference next week. There's something different to be learned at every single event. And maybe that does keep it probably a bit interesting as well. So you're always striving for more um, and always striving to be better than you were the previous time that you did something. So I don't know if that makes sense or if that's a very rambling answer, but um, you know, in, in Utah, you know, I hadn't worked with uh, with you for quite a while, to, uh, Cork 2019. I hadn't worked with Paul for quite a while. And I still learned loads from the two of you while we were working together in Utah. And I think that's probably something that's very special about the role of an announcer, that you're continuously learning, but always pretty much on your feet. Well, your energy and your passion is infectious, too. Trust me, it goes both ways. Uh, you've been to a lot of events obviously in Ireland, in the UK, as you mentioned, and in the US. 
Joe, do you see any differences or similarities you can discuss with events in different regions of the world? Yeah, I guess there's a there's a magical formula that Ironman has that you pretty much get a similar experience across the board, whether you're at an Ironman in the UK or an Ironman in Portugal or, or Turkey or uh, where else was I? I think it was in Dubai one year as well. Um, but the key component are the athletes. At the end of the day, every race has athletes and the athletes are the common denominator. And you'll always meet that community of people no matter where you go. And as a community, they're very open and very welcoming. And I think that's also very special about sport and about endurance sport. I'm not just talking about Ironman specifically. Um, I guess I, I'm only in the business, you know, 10 years I've built up quite a rapport with a lot of people. Um, and it's lovely to see familiar faces, whether it's a local race like La Coutre was on at the weekend. Unfortunately, I couldn't go, but I'm in a tie this weekend. And there's almost 4,000 people across two days in a tie. And I can't actually wait to get to the race. This is a, a local race in County Kildare in Ireland that is one of the biggest race festivals of the country for 2022. Um, and it's meeting all those people and that common denominator of athletes that keeps the consistency across the board, even though every race will have its own little um, idiosyncrasies or little traditions or things that are different that make it special. But ultimately, it's the athletes. And, and I yeah, think the it, athletes are what make us keep coming back. It, it really is. And, and uh, no matter where I go in the world, it's all of a sudden, if there are things that are different, but the same is the athletes. And you know you're among family members, so it makes it so easy to go no matter where you go throughout the world. Joanne, I remember uh, back a while back that you and I had a conversation, a few conversations, when you were considering leaving your quote-unquote corporate world, leaving the charity, leaving that work world where you had the, you know, you had the security of, of pay, of salary, of income, and then just to go to the announcing side, the commentating side, Take us through that process. That was, I, I believe it was a scary process as, as it is for people to make that kind of leap. Was it for you? Uh, it definitely is. I think every time you you take a leap of faith, which is really what it was, um, it's always going to be scary no matter what you do. But, you know, you sometimes I suppose I've spoken about this before. You have to back yourself and believe that you'll succeed. And Sometimes you don't always believe you're going to succeed. Sometimes you have imposter syndrome, you know, definitely at times you're like, what am I actually doing here? Why am I here? Why did they pick me? You know, why, why am I doing this? Um, but for me, I guess there was always a thought in the back of my head that if it didn't work, I would get a job somewhere. I'm not one to sit on my backside and do nothing. I will work very hard for everything that I've done. I've worked very hard. Um, and I had a lot of people who believed in me and supported me. So when I made the decision to leave my full time job with the Irish Cancer Society as a community fundraising manager, a company in Galway, uh, based in Galway, Run Ireland and Proactive Marketing offered me a position of 20 hours a week to run their social media across a number of their events and to come in and project manage some of their activities in their marketing studio. So that afforded me the opportunity to pay my mortgage and pay my bills with my steady income and then use the opportunity then to have the time to go to races, to take the long weekends, the Thursdays to Mondays for Ironman without always having to take time off my main job or to always be scrambling to make up time for where I was 
working originally. And I suppose it kind of gave me the freedom and flexibility to pursue what I really wanted to do, which was to, number one, be in sport and number two, to be an announcer. Um, and the sport thing has always been at the back of my mind. Like as a kid, even when I think back sometimes, sport was, it was always going to happen. The sport side, wasn't sure where or how. Maybe I could have been a professional rugby player. I don't know as a kid. <laughs> but yeah. um, <laughs> I was ne- I'd never make it as a gymnast or a professional cyclist, <laughs> but maybe a rugby player. But, um, and that opportunity that people had that, I suppose it took courage on my side to back myself to say, yes, I can do this. And if I fail, well, then I've tried it. If I don't do it, I'll always regret it. And then to have the people who believed in me. So not only Ray and Angela run Ireland, who believed in me and gave me that job, but then also to have the belief from Kevin Stewart at Ironman at the time he was the MD to believe that even after doing one event with him, I was good enough to join the team as, as an integral announcer for a number of years and then to have the support of yourself and Paul Kay over the years and, and the different team members around the world who've given me that opportunity, not just with Ironman, but with all the other events. Um, so I think there's a bit of, you know, um, having the courage to step up um, exactly. doing a lot of hard work and a lot of hard graft and COVID as well, Mike. I mean, COVID, everything fell out of the bottom of everything. So I had to relearn skills. I was doing webinars left, right and centre. The podcast, we put an awful lot of time into it. And now the Try Talking Sport is a performance hub, which is supporting athletes on an endurance sport journey. And and then our Zwift spins, you know, on a Monday night, every single Monday night with Oliver Harkin. Like we did so much during COVID that if I didn't have a job coming out of the pandemic, then there was absolutely something was gone wrong somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you did just fine. You kept yourself busy like a lot of us, which was good. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. I just finished up a run and Activites, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman, keeps me going. Don't let strain and pain keep you from your training, keep you from finding your finish line. Activites comes in three different applications. Roll-on, spray, and gel. Check out all the products on Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com, and have Activites help you find your finish line. We're speaking with Joanne Murphy from Galway, Ireland, MC, presenter uh, in Ireland, UK events, and at the World Championship in St. George. When you made that decision to make that leap, you know, a lot of times, if, if we're confident, we're going to do it. Did you have the support of your family and friends, Joe? Well, my mother often asks me, you know, what do you actually do, Joanne? She still asks yeah. me 10 years <laughs> later, what do you actually do? Ah, uh, yes, of course. I mean, I worked hard. As a kid, I worked hard in school. I worked hard in college. Um, I worked since I was 16 years of age, earning my own money, very independent. So if I was going to fail, it wasn't going to be to any fault of my own. So I just threw myself into it. Um, And then, of course, I was a member of and still am a member of Galway Triathlon Club and the connections you make in the tri club are there to support you as well. And you just I guess you just have to carve your own path sometimes, Um, you know, being the first to do anything. You know, I was probably the first female presenter at a triathlon race ever in Ireland when I did the 70.3 in Galway. Um, you're paving a path and there's a few more girls are coming through. There's a few more girls in, in the UK coming through as well. It's not an easy path for people to take. It is, you know, it's it's um, 
the, the, the working hours aren't very social. You're working nearly every weekend. I don't have kids. I don't have a partner. So I really am very independent and very flexible. Um, if I had kids, if I had a partner, if I had a lot of other responsibilities, I'm not sure if I would be able to pursue the job that I have. Um, so it's the support of everybody around us as well. And then, um, you know, working in the in the agency as well afforded me the opportunity to hone my skills in social media. So if I had left my job in 2005, for example, and tried to become an announcer, probably wouldn't have happened because I wouldn't right. have had the opportunity to work on marketing campaigns, work across social media, which is where I do an awful lot of my, I suppose, non-announcing work now is as an event consultant and event marketing um, consultant for a number of different sporting events here and in the UK. So a lot of people think I just turn up on a microphone on a on a Saturday at a race day, but I've put in a good 40 hours already nearly before isn't I that, get to an we, Ironman race. Wait a minute. Don't don't ruin the image out there. Isn't that what we do? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the best thing about it. Oh, I only have to work on Saturday and that's it or on Sunday. <laughs> well, I do we have wish. a little trick. I do have a little trick. My out of office, when I want to get out on my bike, it's the out of office. Sorry, I'm not available. I'm in a meeting, but I'm yeah. actually out cycling the roads of Connemara in Galway. That, those are the best meetings ever. So mm -hmm. let's take it full circle, Joe. From 2011, that Galway 70.3, to last month when we were in St. George and you had the opportunity to come up at the finish line and announce a few hours uh, at the finish line with me at the World Championship. Take us through that. I mean, uh, I, I wish it had happened much sooner. A lot of people did and you know the support I've always given. But take us through that. That had to be, was it a thrill? Oh, <laughs> I still can't believe it. I mean, will I tell them how it actually happened? Well, what do you mean? It did happen. <laughs> you were you were marvelous. You did a great job. And yeah, but but how it all how it all kind of came came to be um, on the day. I, I was on the hot <laughs> corner having the time of my life. You know, absolutely loving it. Um, really getting to just put the Joanne Murphy announcer forth. I was with Eric Ilson in and, and Tom Zebert on the hot corner while you and Paul were on the, on the finish line. We were having so much fun. And then the next thing I get this text from Mike saying, come to the finish line straight away. I was like, geez, what's wrong with this lad? I better go up. He might need a cup of coffee or something. So I say, <laughs> yeah, to, two, right. yeah, I say right. to the two boys, I better go. Mike is texting me. So I toodle on down past the finish line. I'm like breaking out of sweat. I see Paul coming towards me. He's off to the press conference. I'm like, where's Paul K going? Oh, press conference. Okay. All right. Okay. Riley definitely wants a cup of coffee. So I toodle on up to the tower. I say to Andy, hey, Andy, what's going on? And then I say to Mike, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like nearly breaking out in a sweat because you have me worried that there's something wrong with you. And I go up and you say, take up a microphone, Joe. And I was like, what? go on, take up a microphone. I said, what? You said, yes, Joe, come on. Welcome to the finish line. And that is kind of how it all happened. And then you started announcing loads of people. I kind of stood there and was like, Andy, is he joking? And he's like, no, Joe. And um, yeah, called a few people over the finish line. And then we tic-tac'd like we did in, in, uh, in Cork in 2019. How are your ribs, by the way? Yeah, let me tell you. First of all, when I said, <laughs> Joe, 
take the microphone. She grabbed mine, everybody, okay? No, no but, I did not. Yeah, but, but every time Joanne gets excited, she takes her elbow and just hits me in the ribs. It's like, hey, Mike, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? And and in Cork, I had bruised ribs. And you did it a couple of times in St. George. I go, well, this is what it's all about. I just gotta, I just gotta stay strong because here it comes. <laughs> but oh, the yeah. best part was, the best part was all of a sudden, I'm looking at the computer screen and here comes some Irish finishers. How great was that for you? Oh, it was amazing. And the one in particular that stands out, which is very special, is Hilary Hughes, who yeah. um, I, I had. I, I, so when Mike um, asked me to come to the finish line, I was keeping an eye on Hilary Hughes, who was from Westport, and it was her first uh, Ironman, uh, first um, World Championships, okay. and she, it wasn't her first Ironman because she qualified in Lanzarote, I think. But it was her first time in the states racing um, a full distance Ironman. She had raced at St George in the seventy point three back in September. Uh, but anyway, to make a long story short, she had said to me, I can't wait to hear you on the finish line. This was at bike check-in on Friday. And I was like, but Hillary, yeah, no problem. No problem. So excited. Both of us. She was so excited for me to be part of the world championships team. I was delighted for her racing in, in St. George, but I didn't have the heart to tell her that I wasn't going to be on the finish line because I never truly expected it to happen. I knew I was on the hot corner and that's what we were going to be doing. And I was looking forward to making that my little spot for the day. So when I saw her coming down the finish line, I had been tracking her all day and I was like, if Riley makes me miss Hillary Hughes on the hot corner, he's dead. In the meantime, <laughs> I'm in the tower and I see her. I'd kind of forgotten about her. Sorry, Hillary. I'm in the tower. And then I say, I say, oh my God, Mike, digging the ribs. Can I take her? He goes, no problem. And of course, I got to call her down the finish line, which was really special because I had missed her in Cork or in Dunleary in uh, 2019 and she was devastated. So she had told me I needed to be on the finish line. So I ran down the tower, gave her a sweaty hug, her, not me. And um, yeah, it was just very special. And we've spoken about it actually on my own podcast as well, about how special it was. And um, she's actually turning pro now, Mike. So she'll hopefully be in Cork in 2022 with us. That, that's fantastic. It was a great story. But no, you did a marvelous job. And that whole team in St. George was, I, it, it was just so refreshing to be together with everyone. And we're going to be together again in October uh, in Kona for two Ironmans, one on Thursday, one on Saturday. And we're still all trying to figure that out. So you, you uh, are doing a great job with your podcast, Joanne. You've, I think, done over 80 podcasts over the last three or four years. Uh, you, I know the type of preparation you have to put into it. Uh, why, why do you want to go into the podcast, uh, arena? Gosh, I'm really nosy, Mike. Why do you do it? I'm really nosy. <laughs> well, I, I love asking yeah, questions. I, it, it's interesting. You ask a question. People have asked me that too. And I, I mean, I just love talking with people and hearing their stories. And I think the biggest thing is for both of us, we want more people to know this person's story because it's an inspiration. And uh, I never pass anything along that usually isn't an inspiration to me or others around me. So that's probably my biggest reason. Yeah, similar as well. Um, I actually love um, talking to people and hearing their stories and finding out something about somebody that somebody mightn't know. And you get to share that piece of information is quite special as well. 
we've had a huge number of, of people on the show. We just today released a podcast with Annalise Murphy, the three-time Olympian who won a, bron- a silver medal in um, in Rio in 2016. No relation. At least we tried to find out if we were related, but not yet. Um, but you were on the show nearly, um, wasn't it, during Ironman Cork in 2019? You were one of mm. our yeah. first guests on the podcast back then um, when we were at Ironman Cork. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. And I guess no more than your own um, podcast, Mike, as well, it's, it's not always just triathlon and it's not just about the sporting story. It's about the life journey and the lifestyle and... I know for me, I love saying to people, it's just like having a cup of coffee with your friend or chatting and gossiping in front of a fire with a pint or a nice glass of whiskey. Um, And that's how I hope the listeners find the podcast as well, Um, that it's just two friends having fun. And I mightn't meet these people ever in my lifetime or have ever spoken to them in person, but you connect with them uh, in an interview and... Yeah, it's just it's a very special thing to do in podcasting. And then I suppose the other side of it as well, selfishly, is I have to look to the future. You know, if if I'm not announcing in, in 10 or 15 years time, will the podcast be something that I can turn into something a little bit bigger? Will it provide other opportunities? And there's always a bit of a business head behind some of the plans that you make. Um, and yeah, we'll Good see, we'll see where it goes, but it's a, I, I love it. It's a, Good. it's a passion project though, Mike, because I don't think people understand how much work goes into creating that finished podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, but you know, it's, it's what we do. What the heck. Joanne, what do you, what do you think? Uh, because I'm always self-assessing and taking a look at the last event I did and what I do correctly what I do incorrectly what do you believe you can improve on with your with your work oh gosh that's a loaded question Mike that's like um having a five-year review with my boss no no uh, you don't have you can give me the uh the shortened version that's okay but I know it's hard for you to give anybody a shortened version so thanks Mike do the best you can do yeah I suppose well there's lots of things that we can do you know um Everything from, you know, not just the piece in front of the microphone, but actually the preparation. Like we do lots of preparation before we go on a microphone, but maybe there's a way of streamlining it and being a bit more, um, suppose, prepared, even though you're as prepared sometimes as you can be. One of the big things actually is, um, for me personally, is fueling on race day and getting enough rest in advance of race day is one of the big things that I struggle with because... I'm always afraid that I will miss the alarm clock, which has <laughs> happened on a race day morning. So I kind of get up to high dough. You've seen me in operation when I've been, um, you know, managing lots of little bits and pieces. And maybe sometimes I can be too much of a perfectionist, which is good in a way, but actually not good for for me personally when you're trying to manage uh, loads of things. But definitely, I think fueling on race day and eating the right foods and getting enough rest and recovery before and after a race. I know that probably doesn't sound like the answer that you would have expected from me, but just like an athlete, we have a really, really long day. And if we get sick, if we have a a sore throat or a a cold or a cough or whatever, we can't perform at our best. So really, you know, that's a massive aspect that we really should be taking care of. That maintenance side of it is Mm -hmm. just like an athlete is critical uh, to it all. Joanne, how do you how do you think we're doing in the sport in, of triathlon uh, on the women's side? You know, you're the 
Tri Ambassador and founder of Tri Talking Sport, the the uh, Women for Tri Ambassador, and uh, a strong proponent of of getting young women into the sport, middle aged women into the sport. How do you think we're doing? I think we're doing better. Uh, there's always room for improvement in everything that we do, but. If you look at the visibility of the amount of women now that are in the sport of triathlon, you look at the number of women that raced at the 70.3, um, not the 70.3, God, the Ironman World Championships in, in Utah. Um, and you look at now the fact that we're going to have um, a, a women's day both in, in Kona and at the 70.3 Worlds in, in Utah in October. I think that speaks volumes for the amount of women that are now seeing other people step up and having the opportunity to take part in in races, not just at Ironman, but across the board. And you almost need to have somebody pave the way for you in a way. You know, you see Julie Moss uh, at Utah um, and what she did back in the 1980s. You look what Paula Newby Fraser did. And I'm going back many years talking about these ladies. But then you look at the the people like Hilary Hughes, for example, who's such an ambassador for the sport of triathlon. She was a doctor. She's achieved it all. And we now see other younger girls coming through from her own club in Westport who have the potential to go all the way as professional athletes as well. Um, you look at the strong performances that the girls from the UK put in in Utah. I mean, Kat Matthews coming second. You had Ruth Astle in fifth. You had Laura Siddle, Fenella Langridge, Nikki Bartlett. Like, they're, they're some of the fastest women in the world and they're based on this side of the world, which is really good for our sport over here because we have amazing role models to look up to. And that's not disrespecting anybody that has come before them because everybody has left their mark in some way. Um, but I think... You know, we are doing well. There's always room for improvement. And the campaign that Women for Try are running at the moment with the Leave Your Mark, it kind of resonates with everyone, whether you're male or female. And in Utah, we had that board that they had. And there was a lot of men posting up things on the board to say, you know, I, I race for my children. I race for my girls. I, I can't wait for my children to be an Iron Man, whether they're male or female or, or things like that. So, you know, I think it needs to be a collective response to encouraging women into the sport of triathlon. It's not up to the women to do it all. And we need to have the support and um, the investment from the male counterparts as well, because it's a, it's a sport for all. So really it should be open to all. Yeah, it, it should. And, and I always just love it when we bring up on stage the 18 to 24 female age group, the 25, 29, and up through and see some of the younger women who are getting into it because we want them to stick. We want them to be around. And they don't realize it yet, but they're influencers of their peers, uh, as are all the women out there. But I think on the men's side, and I see it sometimes, and it really kind of, lack of a better word, sorry for this, but pisses me off that, that men aren't as uh, welcoming as the women are for them in the sport. And I think they've got to realize that, you know, the way this sport's going to grow is for the women to come into the sport, be strong as they are, and uh, uh, be the ones to lead. So it's it's I, I I think we're doing okay, but we could do a lot better on both the uh, the men's and women's side. So th thank you for that, and and keep it up because it's it's perfect. I mean it's 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 something that you've always got to keep doing. 
Keep and if you look out. back to, if you look at Lucy Charles Barkley, I mean, she was an age group athlete, uh, won the, the age group world championships. Right. You look at Ruth Astle, 2019 overall age group world champion. And now she's a professional athlete, finished fifth in, in Utah. I mean, these are girls that over the past couple of years have just excelled in the sport of triathlon. And again, Kat Matthews, they're just names that... We're so lucky to be racing in an era where these strong women are, are coming through as well. And I guess social media provides the platform for us to connect with them all as well and makes them more accessible in a positive way for everybody to actually learn from what these women are achieving on a daily basis in their lives. Yeah, and I, I had not too long ago, Cherie Grunfeld on as a guest and, you know, Cherie's what, 77 years old and doing Kona this year. She's won her age group 13 times in Kona. You know, what's interesting is every time she speaks, I'm thinking, gosh, I hope as many women are listening to her as possible because she broke down so many barriers and led the way for so many women, uh, especially here here in the U.S. I, I think what's important as well is, is that everyone who takes part in the sport of triathlon can be an ambassador for the sport of triathlon. You don't have to look to the most famous athlete or to the youngest, the fittest, the fastest, yeah. every single person that steps up to take part in a triathlon and, and maybe specifically in an Ironman is somebody that can be looked up to and um, can be considered an influencer because they are an influencer in their clubs, in their communities, to their peers. I'm sure there are people all over Ireland where, um, and, and even in the States maybe, where they haven't even heard of Ironman or even know what it is or know what a triathlon is. And that's not being mean or rude or disrespectful but if you have somebody in, in a rural town in Ireland who decides to do an Ironman and suddenly you start seeing a few other people out swimming cycling running inspired by this one individual that did it for whatever their reason was then they're an ambassador of the sport of, of of triathlon as well yes they are and and those influencers are are so strong because they they step out there on their own for the very first time but they do get a following and I think that's what I love about the social fabric of, of triathlon, of endurance sports, because everybody really, at the end of the day, stick together, even though they're quote unquote, could be in competition with one another. Uh, it's still, as I said earlier, a, a family. What kind of advice, Joanne, uh, would you, could you give our age groupers in the sport? Some of the things you've seen and, and heard, uh, sometimes negative vein because of social media can run through something. But what kind of advice would you give our age groupers who have, you know, events on their calendar for this year? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different levels of, of age grouper. You have somebody who's doing a race for the very first time, somebody who's chasing a podium, a qualification for a world championship slot, and um, somebody who's looking to go pro. There's such a mix. There's such a huge spectrum. And you know, we're, we're awful lucky that we're in this sport. You know, th th at the end of the day, we're awful lucky. We are privileged to be able to take part in the sport of triathlon. There's many people across the world who can't do it. And we take the sport so seriously. Many of us as age groupers are, you know, weekend warriors, as, as we call them sometimes, um, that sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, wow, look what I've done. Look where I am and look what I have achieved. And I'm so lucky to be able to do this and be grateful for the opportunity to take part in the sport. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest um, messages to, to get home to people. It's not 
It's not life or death doing a triathlon. We get to do this for fun and it has to be fun at the end of the day to make us come back to it. Yes, the training is hard. Yes, there are many hours of swimming in the pool, endless hours of swimming in the pool or in the sea or the lakes. There's hours on the turbo. There's long, hard days in the saddle on the, um, on the bike outside. And there's long days on your feet. But yeah. to and accomplish it. If, is, if we'd have started off the podcast like that, people are going, why am I going to do that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But look at, look at it. Like, look at what you become when you become an Ironman or when you do your very first sprint triathlon. Look at the journey it can create for you or the journey that you've been on. And um, yeah, that's one of the big things for me is just to have gratitude with what we have been blessed with. And I know that probably sounds a little bit kind of, I don't know, a bit cookie, but, you know, we're, we're awful lucky, I think. And um, just keep moving forward all the time. And even if it gets really hard on a race day, just have your checklists, get your stuff organized, do your race briefing, chat to the people around you. And don't be afraid to say hello to people, especially when you're racking your bike and things like that. You could make a friend for life in, in the transition zone of, of, um, of bike racking. And in fact, um, you know, athletes are there to help each other as well. Yes, we are in competition. Every time you toe the start line with somebody, even if it's on the watt bike in the gym beside them, you're still having a yeah. race with them um, or in the pool. But um, a recent story. So we have a, a young athlete here in Galway called Natasha Carrick who raced at Ironman 70.3 Marbella um, just a couple of weeks ago. And she won her age group, first ever 70.3, won her age group. And uh, she's only, she's 20, she 18 to 24, maybe, I think. Very young. And she wasn't sure about taking her slot for the World Championships, uh, for the 70.3 Worlds. And she was racked next to um, a triathlete from Port Marnock, uh, Cullum from Port Marnock. And he said to her, you know, he was chatting away to her and he was like, just take your slot, just do it. He rang me to tell her to take her slot to do the World Championships and to ring her to convince her to do it. There was no convincing on her. But the fact that he contacted me to tell me that one of my tri-club members had the opportunity to qualify for the world and was really unsure whether to go or not, that was a sense of community for me. That was him looking out for her, telling a young athlete, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime to race at the World Championships in Utah in October and then went to the effort to call me and then I called her and her dad and we had a chat and she took her slot. I can't That's say I had beautiful. anything to do with it, but she took her slot. But it's things like that, that the little stories behind the scenes that we don't always um, get to hear, but I think she'll be forever grateful to Colin Brady for convincing her, yes, she should take it and for ringing me to tell me to tell them to do it. And one day, you never know, she may end up being a pro. Well, this is it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's go back on your racing career. Uh, on the podcast, I have a thing called Tri-Table Racing. It comes out of the Baja 1000 off-road racing, as you know. I've got friends that do that. And they sit around the table afterwards and reminisce about the event. The good, the bad, the ugly, how it went, because they're all in it together. So talk to us about, uh, reminisce about an event that you did of something that happened, good, bad, whatever you do. What, what comes to your mind? Oh, biggest achievement of my life was probably racing around Ireland on my bike with three other crazy women and 11 crew. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that. Good. Because watching that event of you guys going around Ireland, uh, it, it was, you were pushing it. Talk to us about it. 
Yeah, it was incredible. Um, so we had the opportunity to take part in the race around Ireland, which is a two and a half thousand kilometre cycle around Ireland with 30,000 metres of climbing. So Jeez. you basically travel around the coast uh, of Ireland, most northerly point, most southerly point and every nook and cranny nearly around around the coastline. Um, so back in um, 2016, uh, myself and Karen, one of our Galway babes, which is what we called our race team, were having a coffee and the race around Ireland was on. I said, God, Joe, I'd love to do that. And I was like, are you cracked? No way, wouldn't be able for that at all. She was like, go on, go on, go on, track them now and see what you're thinking. They were coming through my Cullen, which is where Karen lives. And we went out to watch them and whatever. And, and to make a long story short, about three days later, I met her for coffee again. I went, okay, I'm in. Who else will we get for the team? Now, bearing in mind, I had done, you know, a couple of Ironman 70.3s. I was in the throes of announcing, working, um, and wasn't really a cyclist. I mean, I'd never have categorized myself as a cyclist. Yes, it's my favorite discipline, but wouldn't really have categorized myself as a cyclist. So we went through the process of, of picking two other girls, Breeds and Marie, who became the Galway babes. So we live in Galway. We live on Galway Bay and the local cycling club is called Galway Bay Cycling. So Galway Babe, B-A-Y-B-E, became the name of our team. And um, off we went to the race around Ireland after training like professional athletes for probably about eight months. Um, and really? we had the time you had, you, you had about eight months of preparation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the time we kind of got sorted, we really, yeah, it was in August of 2017 and um, yeah, we trained pretty much from the January, we decided. And it was the best and worst experience of my life. But I, I would go back and do it again if I could in a heartbeat. Uh, we had a great competition in the women's race by a team made up of um, British, Australian and an Irish girl. And we were gutted that they beat us, but they were machines. They were so good. The Velaroos based in Australia. Um, and they probably beat us by about 10 hours, but we broke the Irish record by 10 hours. So it'll just tell you how good oh, wow. they were. Uh, they were phenomenal. I think they were fourth overall. So we were a bit gutted that we didn't win and kind of were saying, God, we put all this work in and we didn't win the race. Now, we know we had a course record. So we said, right, let's do another race and see how we go. So we did the Donegal Ultra 555 in the following June and we won it and set a course record and it hasn't been broken yet. I expect it will be broken this year. Um, but that was probably the hardest uh, event of my life, but it was amazing. Um, we, we cycled in pairs. So myself and Breeds would be quite similar in terms of size and in terms of strength and ability on the bike. Um, great on the downhills, great on the flat, a lot of power. And then Marie and Karen were just like little, greyhounds going up the side of the mountains they're so light and so powerful and so strong so we broke up into two teams of two and we did 30 minutes off 30 minutes on for six hours each so while one team were out on the road one cyclist was on the road one was um resting in the car and, and refueling and then the other two were trying to sleep in the camper van as it was being torn around the country to get to the location where the changeover would happen but it was amazing I made friends for life we're like family now the four of us and in fact the crew as well have been phenomenal and uh, it was it was all going well uh, with the cycling until uh, a couple of weeks ago we were meant to do a 12-hour race and it got cancelled in March and now I'm meant to do an eight-person uh, cycle for 24 hours in Mondello but um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I'm sure you can hear I have a little bit of a, a nasal issue, which is at the end of COVID. So I've been isolating for the past 
couple of days. I think it's going to be Freedom Friday this week, so I can't wait, but need to just see how the body reacts and whether I'll be able to get on my bike uh, in, in the middle of June. Freedom Friday. I love Freedom that. Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when the Ironman VR series was happening. You remember we all got on together, uh, you, myself, Paul Kay, I think Steve Fleck. There was like two or three other announcers around the country. And let me tell you, everybody, I'm riding. I think I'm I'm looking at, I'm doing 22 mile an hour. I, I'm kicking butt. This is great. And we're having this conversation amongst us all. And all of a sudden, I look at the screen there goes Joanne's avatar. It's like, I go, what the hell is she doing? What's she doing? Well, she just must be doing a sprint. She'll come back to us. And you never came back to us. It's like, I'm going to beat these blokes. It's if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. work that hard. I was chasing the whole way. So I, I don't well, know you see, I, I told the guys, I, I told the guys to keep you talking so that I could cycle on, you know, but funny, actually, Mike, that, that VR that we did was my return to cycling. So I hadn't really been training for the couple of months before that. And when I heard that uh, we were going to be on the VR, I was like, God, I better not let these lads uh, beat me on the day. So I actually trained for the VR and it was kind of my start to the return to racing. So I'm a completely different cyclist now to what I was back in, in 2018. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get back at it and, and see uh, what might what might happen over the next few weeks and months. And uh, I might even try and do a triathlon. But we'll see. Need to get rid of. Need to get as far as Freedom Friday first. Yeah, don't don't make commitments on the air. Don't do that. You know what happens when no. you, when you do something like that. So what's on the no. schedule, Joe, for the rest of the year? How many how many events you have on the on the slate? I actually you know haven't what, you counted know what, how many events there are. You, but you know what slate means, don't lot. you? You know, you've been using like yeah, crack, yeah. and and I'm thinking, <laughs> what do they? Do they know what it means? You know what the slate means, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not lost in translation. Um, it's unbelievable, Mike. My schedule for um, the rest of the year. It's packed. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's all right, unbelievable. We, got, we, we were in St. George, and all the announcers kept saying unbelievable. So finally, we made a decision. Nobody can say it. The first one that say it has to buy the whiskey or whatever it was. I don't think I don't think we lasted eight minutes. Somebody spit it out. <laughs> uh, Mike, I, I think we said you kept saying unbelievable. I, I didn't say it as oh, much as you thought yeah. I said it. No, I didn't. I know. Now, come on. Okay, we won't let the truth get in the way of a good story, but let's just say that Mike Riley paid <laughs> for our dinner on the Friday night before the race. And he was give because he paid for our dinner, he got five credits. So between the time he paid for the bill and the time we got outside to take a photograph, he was at zero credits. He had said it five times. Um, yeah, it was it was very funny, but uh, that was our safe word for uh, for race day. If we for needed anything, day. it was unbelievable. But um, I can't remember what the question was. Oh, the, okay, the, I, um, the season, the rest of my season. Oh yeah, it's, what's um, going on? Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, so I'm in a Thai this weekend, and then I'm at the Ironman seventy point three Staffordshire the following weekend. I'm at that 24-hour bike race. So I'm actually announcing the race and hopefully wow. racing the race as well. Then I have a week or two off and then it's straight into um, to Ironman. I'm in Bolton again, a few more events locally here in Ireland, some gymnastics, uh, some running events. And then we obviously have uh, we have 70.3 Swansea, a new race for 2022 in Swansea in Wales. And then we come back over to a mammoth Ironman Ireland. I'm not trying to make you sick at all by telling you how cool it's going to be. We have Iron Kids. We have an Ironman 70.3. We have full distance Ironman Mike Riley in Cork in August. And then I go back I out know. to Ironman Wales and 7.3 Weymouth. 
And then, Mike, I'm coming over to America again. I know. Are we going to let you in? Yeah, I think we'll let you in. I think we'll let you in. It's okay. We could start a petition. (laughs) My mother doesn't want me to go because I'm away for so long, but um, I will be in Kona. Then I'll be in uh, Tempe, Arizona for the Ironman 70.2 Phoenix. And then I'll be cracking a few of your ribs in Sacramento at Ironman California. And then I'll be back out in Utah for a bit more fun at the 70.3 Worlds at the end of the month. And then it's all gymnastics and awards dinners after that till Christmas. And you know, you know, it's amazing uh, having those big years. And uh, as you get to the end of the year, just like work and play and our lives and you go, where'd it go? I was so... I was so angst up because I had all this travel and all this. And then you get to the end of the year and it's like the holidays and you go, oh my gosh, it's over <laughs> again. And then you start planning your the next year. I mean, it just, uh, no better way to be. I was chatting with a friend of mine last night and uh, she was asking me about uh, coming up to visit her in Mayo. And I said, oh God, I don't know. I'll have to look at the diary. I said, give me a date or two there and I'll see, can I do it? And she gave me updates. I said, no, I can't. I'm here. I can't. And I, and she was like, how do you know where you are on every I day? And I said, I know where every single race is, is in my diary between now and and the end of the year. It's just, it's crazy. But isn't it great, though, Mike, that we went from from nothing to something so quickly and that I we're know. able to be back on a finish We're back. Line. We're back. I love it. Woo-hoo. Well, Joe, thank you very much for your time, for your... You know, for what you give to the sport of of triathlon, for endurance sports, uh, you're one heck of a voice. You're leading the way for others uh, out there to, you know, jump in this arena. And I I, I bet you in five, 10 years, there's going to be so many more women, especially in your part of the world, on the microphone and and here also. So thank you for that. Uh, And I can't wait to be together with you again in October. So let's keep it going and just keep doing it, huh? Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. It's brilliant. You're you're very welcome, Joe. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again, everybody, for joining Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activize, the official official topical pain relief partner of Ironman, where you can find it on Amazon, Ironman.com, and Walmart. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to it. You can pick it up anywhere on Apple, on Spotify, and leave us a review if you would. We'd like to hear how we're doing. Thank you very much, everybody. And always keep in mind, tomorrow is here for you. You just make sure you create today the best you can. Aloha, everyone.